we've been thinking for a while earlier, we wanted to kind of walk through a whole book of the Bible. Um, and I felt like I would, one Peter would be where I wanted to start. Um, but when we were sort of thinking and planning, I was like, actually, do you know what? It'd be really good to take a few weeks before that to look at um, Peter the man. So Peter's life and ministry, walking with Jesus. So we're going to take the first few weeks to kind of look in some bits in the Gospels and in Acts um, of Peter the man, Peter the disciple. And then we're going to walk right the way through one Peter. It'll probably take us, well, it will take us all the way through to some holidays in July. Um, but I wanted to set the scene, really, because I think if you're you know, reading Peter's letter to the early church, it makes a whole lot more sense in terms of understanding. If you understand who he was, um, and you understand, you know, and actually, some, even when you look at some of the way he walked with Jesus, and then you read some of the things he writes to the early church, it adds so much to it. And there is, there's so much we can learn from Peter. I think he's my favorite of the disciples, if you're allowed a favorite. Um, I feel like he's the most accessible of the disciples. He gets a rough deal. His, he, way more of his mistakes are in the Bible than I think almost anyone else's, other than David's maybe. But out of the disciples, definitely most of his mistakes are mentioned. Um, but, I, but I love this about him, is that actually he was always moving forwards. And that's what, and that's what kind of he's going to frame this whole series, actually always walking forwards. He always kept going. And so from his early days walking with Jesus right the way through to being, you know, the early church father and how he shaped and transitioned church, and just huge shift in the early church that he was able to navigate um, just always walking forwards. And so I want to start this morning, I want to start at the beginning of his walk with Jesus. So if, um, if you've got your Bibles with you, we're going to be in Matthew 4. Um, and we're going to be looking at the, his, his first time that he met Jesus. Um, so what I pray, and then we'll, we'll dive into those verses together. Father, I want to thank you that, um, that you call us to walk with you um, and that you call us to always walk forwards. Thank you, God, that there is such purpose, there's such hope, there's such awesome plans on our lives as we walk with you. Um, and Father, I want to thank you just for the testimony and the history of the great saints. We want to thank you for the life of Peter and ask God that you would just encourage us as we look at his walk with you. Um, yeah, encourage us, challenge us, change us, and help us to walk forward with renewed hope, renewed confidence in Jesus' name. Amen. So Matthew 4 is where we're going to be this morning. Matthew 4, verses 18 to 20, tiny little passage, um, there's so much in it. Um, So this is Jesus calling his first disciples. As Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, called Peter, and his brother, Andrew. They were casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. At once, they left their nets and followed him. That's it. So this is a tiny little, tiny little person. This is the first time we meet Peter. We know pretty much not a lot about him, other than he had a brother and he was a fisherman. That's, that's kind of it. That's all we know about him right now. Um, and if, if you think about it, it is, it's one of those Bible verses where if you've been knocking around the church anytime, like we're familiar with it, aren't we, as a story. But if you think about it, it's a crazy encounter. So Peter and his brother Andrew meet a guy they've never met before, as far as we're aware, um, who says, hey, leave everything, follow me, I'll make you catch men, and off they go. Like, and if you think about it, logically, if you think, like, that is, that is crazy. The message translation translates, uh, translates verse 20 like this. It says, after Jesus says, come, follow me, it says, Peter and Andrew, they didn't ask questions, they simply dropped their nets and followed. It's like that instant, yes. And to me, like, this sums up Peter. Like, like this is kind of how his whole life was always going to be. His, so this is Peter's first meeting with Jesus. 
And it was an absolute yes from Peter's point of view. It was this radical following, absolute abandonment to anything else, and complete yes, I'm coming, all in. Um, you know, and Peter, you see, as we see through, sort of through other weeks, and, you know, he was so impulsive, so passionate, so headstrong, absolutely jumped in, often both feet first, you know, foot in mouth the whole time, like, absolutely feet right in it. But this, if you like, his sort of first meeting with Jesus, it kind of almost set the tone for how the rest of his walk with Jesus was going to be. And, it, it, you know, his heart is always, I'm in, like 100%, no holding back. Yes, I'm in. This radical following. Um, and so I want us to look at that this morning. Really, only a couple of verses, but they highlight some really important themes. And that is um, this idea of us being called to follow. So if you like titles, this really is kind of first things first, called to follow. The call to Peter, of you know, Jesus' call to him is, you know, follow me, is exactly the same call to every single one of us. Now, this might sound horribly obvious. This is, the, this is my only point of my message this morning. Horribly obvious, really simple. But listen, we're called to follow Jesus. Um, and I think sometimes we can overcomplicate things. Sometimes we can kind of just focus on other stuff. And it, but there's a danger if we miss the sort of the centrality and the seriousness of this call on each one of us is Jesus saying, follow me. Um, you know, it isn't about, you know, kind of, being a Christian, it's not about a token nod to a certain set of beliefs or, you know, or, or even kind of jumping in and conforming to a certain set of cultural norms or, or kind of hanging out with a certain group of people. Like, there's, there's that there. You know, I love Ben's testimony last week, if you weren't here, in Ben saying, look, you know, I came to church to kind of keep Christy happy. Didn't think I really needed God. And I, but I just, I found family. Like, I love being here. I love being, like, that was, that was a part of his journey, which I love. And I've got loads of room for that. Um, but, you know, there has to be a point in every one of our lives where we individually hear and respond to the call of Jesus, follow me. Like, there, there has to be that. Um, but it's obviously, it's not a, you know, it's not a one-off decision. But there is that, that turning point from, you know, you know, Peter and Andrew, if you like, you know, they're heading one way, doing one thing, doing a complete about face. And for them, it was a radical leaving of everything they knew to walk in another direction. And there is that, that first time for each of us of saying, giving Jesus our absolute yes, which is a complete, you know, turning from walk one way into another. So out of darkness into light. Um, but then following Jesus is then an everyday choice and commitment to keep giving him 100%, to keep giving him our absolute yes. It's then a series of decisions after that initial commitment to, yeah, I'll follow you. Um, you know, and Peter, as a man always walking forward, um, was because of his unwavering commitment to follow Jesus, to give him his absolute yes, and to be his disciple. Um, and that is absolutely the same for all of us. And as much as there's so, you know, there's so much in the Gospels about kind of grace and freedom and, and like there is. And, you know, we've, we've spent a lot of time and we're never going to stop talking about the fact that we're primarily called to be sons and daughters, that God's heart is to reveal himself as father. But we're called to follow. We're called to be disciples. As much as we're sons and daughters, we're called to be disciples as well. And, and that word disciple, you find it 269 times in the New Testament. The word Christian is there only three times. But we're much quicker to talk about ourselves as Christians rather than disciples, aren't we? And, and because oh, it's just semantics, it's just a word. But I wonder sometimes if it kind of taps into something underlying that we've, we've missed what it is to be a disciple, that we're called to follow Jesus. Um, 
We're called to be his disciples. The amplified version of this um, Matthew passage, um, Jesus' call, if you like, in verse 19, they translate it like this. It says, and he said to them, follow me as my disciples, accepting me as your master, as your teacher, and walking the same path of life that I walk. That's the call. Jesus as master, Jesus as teacher, and us following in his footsteps, walking the path he walked. Um, now, Jesus wasn't the first person to kind of call disciples. If you, you know, there was plenty of evidence that in sort of those first century Jewish culture, people had disciples. So when we read earlier on in the Gospels, like John the Baptist had disciples, didn't he? They were people who kind of followed him, kind of went along with his teaching, kind of, so that, that was there. And even in Greek culture, even more sort of secularly, people had disciples. Um, so it would be, you know, discipleship was almost referring to people who were committed to a certain great leader and kind of sort of following their life, passing on their teaching, that kind of thing. So as a concept, it was there, um, But biblical discipleship absolutely has those elements of commitment to a leader, you know, know, holding fast to him, passing on teachings and and walking in a certain way of life. But it's it's a personal commitment to walk with Jesus before it's anything else, to be with him and to know him. You know, it isn't about, and this this is, I think, in 21st century, sort of Western Christianity, there's a danger, um, that for the most part, much of life works out well for us in, much, you know, in terms of the cost and the challenges. It's not like it is for many of our brothers and sisters around the world. It really isn't. Um, you know, but being a disciple is not about you know, carrying on, on life as we see it and hope Jesus will tag along. You know, so for Peter and Andrew, it wasn't about, yeah, all right, I'll follow you. I'm just going to carry on my fishing and you can kind of jump in my boat with me every now and then. And actually, if there's a storm, if you could come and calm that Jesus, that would be awesome. And you know, Jesus, tag along with me in my life. You know, Jesus' call of these disciples was leave all of that and do something completely different. It was a radical shift for them to follow him, to follow the example that Jesus set us. And, you know, and it means obedience. It means a change of direction. And spiritually, of course, it's that change of direction when we turn away from our sin, turn away from living for ourselves and by ourselves. It's 180 degrees turn in the other direction to follow Jesus. So it's a radical change of direction. It absolutely means sacrifice at time. It absolutely means letting go of things at time. Um, it means following, and it requires discipline. Like Discipline is the same root word as disciple. You can't separate the two. So to be a disciple who is following Jesus requires discipline on our part, um, to be a follower. So it's, it's a high call with high challenge, but being a disciple is not an optional extra. It's not like that's the hardcore version of being a Christian. I guess the only version of being a Christian, it's not an optional extra. It's my life is entirely his. My life is entirely committed to following everything he says and everywhere he leads me to go. That's it. And that's it for all of us. And it needs to be that 100%, yeah, I'm in. And then every day, it's that still giving Jesus our best yes. So it is high call, high challenge, but being a disciple and discipline, being discipled, like they're not optional extras, um, I want to read a couple of bits that a writer called Dallas Willard has written about um, disciples and discipleship in the, in the particularly 21st century Western church. Um, he says, this, the greatest issue facing the world today with all its heartbreaking needs is whether those who by professional culture are identified as Christians will become disciples, students, apprentices, practitioners of Jesus Christ, steadily learning from him how to live the life of the kingdom 
of heaven into every corner of human existence. It's good. Have we got another one? I can't remember if I've changed my mind. Yes. This is Dallas Willard again. It says, for at least several decades, the church of the Western world have not made discipleship a condition of being a Christian. One is not required to be or in, to intend to be a disciple in order to become a Christian. One may remain a Christian without any signs of visible progress towards progress toward or in discipleship. So far as the visible Christian institutions of our day are concerned, discipleship is clearly optional. And churches are filled with undisciplined disciples, as Jess Moody has called them. Most problems in contemporary churches can be explained by the fact that members have not yet decided to follow Christ. That's quite a spiky quote, isn't it? I don't 100% agree across the body of Christ. I have to say, I'm encouraged um, what I see in the body of Christ in this revealing of sons and daughters and actually God revealing himself as father and the church waking up to being, hey, we're sons and daughters. And, and I want us to hold heart very firmly to being sons and daughters saved by grace um, but actually embrace some of this challenge in terms of actually am I an undisciplined disciple am I a Christian who actually kind of I, I, I get what I want out of it and I ask Jesus to tag along but am I really following him and I'm not saying that in any way I, I, please I'm not saying that that's what I see um, but I, I think it's always wise for us to do a check and go okay have I given Jesus my 100% yes in everything? Am I following him in every area of my life? Um, I, I think that's right. Personally, I think most problems in the contemporary church can be explained by the fact that people haven't met Father God and don't know their sons and daughters. I think they're not, I think the undisciplined disciples, honestly, I think that's secondary. But listen, you know, we have been on this journey as a church family of, of this recognition of, hang on, you know, I'm a son, I'm a daughter, I have an inheritance. But it's a dangerous line to go down to knowing we're sons and daughters saved by grace, nothing we earn, you know, with this incredible inheritance, and to run down this line without understanding, but I am called to be a disciple who follows Jesus. We have to hold on to both those things. So these aren't kind of, it's not like a, what kind of church do you fancy? Do you want to be a sons and daughters church or a disciples church? We're going to see the kingdom come and we're going to see Manchester change when we are sons and daughters who are disciplined and discipled to follow Jesus. It's both and, not either or. Um, so I think it's important that we, we hold that balance, that, look, we are saved by grace. I love it in Romans 5 where, where Paul talks about, you know, we are saved and justified by faith and we take our stand in grace. You know, grace means you didn't earn it. You don't have to earn it. You didn't deserve it. But grace means it's the free gift that God gives us. We firmly take our stand in grace. Okay? And discipleship is not about you know, commitment and discipline and sacrifice in order to get to a point where we're saved or accepted by God. No, no, no. That's not it. But from a position standing in grace as adopted, beloved sons and daughters... We give Jesus our radical yes, 100% in everything, and decide to follow him in every area of our life. You know, otherwise we're like, you know, the sort of the rich heiress, you know, who's been, you know, born with a silver spoon and millions in the bank and, and no responsibility, no requirement, no, like that's, and that's not what we're to be. We're not to be spoiled heiresses. We're to be people who sacrificially spend our whole lives on behalf of the lost and the least and the lonely. That's what sons and daughters of the king do. Because we follow Jesus, and that's what he did. That was his model. Um, so I want us to, please, I want to always be careful that we're, we, you know, we're, we're talking about the whole of the gospel and the fullness of what the word of God describes to us. So this balance is we are saved by grace, and in grace we take our stand. So discipleship is not talking about performance. I'm not talking about measuring up. 
But it absolutely does not mean that because I'm saved by grace, there's not a requirement for me to be a disciple. There is. Yes? Good. So I want us to understand the context of knowing Jesus, being adopted as sons and daughters, but growing in maturity, committing to follow him so that we are his disciples, so that we look, act, and think increasingly like Jesus. In Luke 6, there's a part where Jesus talks about, he says, no disciple is greater than his teacher, but when he's fully trained, he will become like him. So part of discipleship is actually, I get to look loads more like Jesus. He's given us his example. That's what he said when he was washing his disciples' feet at the Last Supper. He said, I've set you this example. I need you to go and do the same. That's what discipleship looks like. It's having walked with Jesus, having heard what he's said, having seen how he's done it, and then doing the same thing. So yes, we're called chosen. Yes, we're called dearly loved. Yes, we're called sons and daughters, but we're also called to follow. It's not an either or. It's about following. And there is this cost that is attached to that. So as much as we are saved as a free gift of God, there is cost. Um, you know, and there was something in Peter that it, it did cost him. Now, in the moment, he gave that sort of instant and complete yes. And it cost him because he left everything. And I always kind of wonder, well, how, how did that work out? Like he left his job, he moved you know, geographically, then followed around with Jesus. There's a story later in the Gospels that talks about Peter's mother-in-law. So he clearly was married, maybe had kids. Like, how did that? I'd love, I'd love to fill in some of the story. But I don't know. But it cost Peter, in the moment, his yes cost him. And ultimately, through his life, it cost him. Ultimately, it cost him his life. He was martyred um, for his belief in Jesus. You know, following Jesus cost Peter his life. Um, you know, he was a radical disciple. Um, and being a disciple for us is just the same. It is a radical commitment to know Jesus, to follow Jesus, and it does involve cost. There is unbelievable grace attached to it. You know, so as, let me read a bit um, from Matthew 16. Um, Matthew 16, verse 24 to 28. Um, so this is, this is a bit later um, with them walking with Jesus. But he says to his disciples, verse 24, Then Jesus said to his disciples, Whoever wants to be my disciples must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. That's the requirement again, is that we'd follow. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will find it. Now, here's another point we need to be clear of. Jesus has fully paid the price for us. Us taking up our cross is not punishment. The punishment for my sin, for your sin, for the sin of the whole world, from now till eternity, has been paid for. So it's really important Jesus taking up his cross was paying the penalty for sin. You and I taking up our cross is not punishment, penalty for sin, because it's paid. The price is paid, but there's still a cost to you, for you and I. Um, so please, I want to be really careful that we're hearing that. It's not about punishment. But, but there is cost. And you know, so that's, that's a challenging thing Jesus is saying there, isn't he? You know, that, that's, that is a, that's a challenge. But... But as much as there is cost attached to following Jesus, there's such grace provided for it. Because Jesus also said, you know, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden. You know, my yoke is easy, my burden's light. But hey, take up your cross and carry. So there's this high call to deny ourselves and follow Jesus. But there's such grace that he extends to us to enable us to meet that high call. Um, So I think it's important that we understand that. The other thing is that there's such promise attached to the cost as well. Let's not deny the cost, but there's such promise. Um, 
there's a beautiful bit in um later on in Luke where um you know, you know where Jesus is talking about um it would be harder for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven than a camel to go through the eye of the needle so he's talking about riches and and that whole kingdom thing and and the disciples, classically, it's Peter who comes and asks the question. I reckon he probably just got volunteered all the time by this. Go on, Peter, you ask him. So Peter says, so Jesus just talked about this. Actually, this whole thing about it would be harder for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven, that whole thing. And then Peter says um, in Luke 18, we have left everything to follow you. What then will there be for us? I'd love to know the tone he said that in. I was like, what does that mean? But so he's, you know, Jesus is saying, look, you know, rich that whole difficult dynamic of, of richness. And it's not that he's Jesus against wealth. That's a whole other preach. But Peter comes and says, what about us? You know, we've left everything. They literally had left everything. And I don't think he was doing that probably gripey, but he was just like, help me understand what this looks like then. And to which Jesus says this, truly I tell you, no one who has left home or wife or brothers or sisters or parents or children for the sake of the kingdom of God will fail to receive many times as much. Now listen to this. In this age and in the age to come with eternal life. So there's a, there's a cost to following Jesus. There's a, there is a times when there are things we have to sacrifice. And you know, for Peter and the early disciples, it was radical. But there was grace for it because equally his yoke is easy as burden light. And there's a promise attached to it that anything that you you leave, anything that was left for the sake of the gospel, you'd receive back many times. It's super interesting. I think we're so much more comfortable with, oh, it's treasures in heaven. But Jesus is very clear here. It's in this age too. So even where there's a cost for us to pay, there's a reward for us to receive in this earth and in heaven. So we have to understand, you know, the, the call to follow, the appreciation that there's cost, the requirement to be disciplined disciples, it comes in the context of a, such a good father. Um, and it's not about punishment, but it is about cost. And I, I think it's good. Honestly, I think it's healthy for us to remind ourselves that about cost and radical call to follow. Because we, if we're honest, 21st century Manchester, it doesn't cost me a right lot to be a Christian. But it probably ought to cost me more to be a disciple. But compared to people around the world, you know, brothers and sisters in Syria, in Iraq, in North Korea, it's still costing people everything to follow Jesus. We are enormously privileged that it doesn't cost us that. And listen, we're not, you know, it's not that we're supposed to pay a cost that's not being required right now. You know, Peter's cost was leave your nets and follow me. Like, that does not mean all of you need to go and quit your jobs tomorrow morning. Because if that's not what Jesus is saying to you, that's stupid, not obedience. (laughs) But... But when you hear him saying, follow me in a specific context for you, whether it is, I need you to move jobs. I need you to move cities. Maybe it is, I need you to go overseas. Maybe it is, I need you to talk differently about your boss. I need you to financially bless that person. I need you to give for them. I need you to go and pray for that person who's sick. There's a cost attached to those things, isn't there? So I want us to be understanding that actually... To come and worship God and be in the presence of God and be part of a church family and openly profess to be a follower of Jesus costs us very little in the UK today. But actually, to really follow him in the sort of day-by-day, step-by-step, there is a cost. And let's just be thankful that the cost for us isn't our actual lives. And let's pray for our brothers and sisters who actually is. Um, But let's not shrink back when there is a cost and there is discipline and there is challenge and there is sacrifice required of us as people who follow Jesus. Actually, because we're called to follow wherever he leads. And for Peter, it was the whole 
you know, whole deal. It was job, livelihood, it was geographical move, it was everything. Um, and, and I love, as we kind of look through some of so other, there's, there's so much in Peter's life that we'd love to kind of pull out. We're going to pull out a, sort of a few key points, but if you look at his his kind of journey walking with Jesus, he's so headstrong and impulsive and he just puts his foot in it so often. And yet Jesus said to him, I'm going to build my church on you. There's something in Peter even with his clumsiness, his impulsiveness and his mistakes, totally didn't phase Jesus because he saw through all that to a man that said, yes, I'm in. And he loved that. Because I think sometimes we can get so, I mean, you know, your, your mess might not be impulsive, both feet in it like Peter was, but we all have our stuff. We all have our humanness that is, we're in process getting to be more like Jesus. But I think what Jesus is looking for is hearts that say, yes, I'm in and I'll follow you. In you know, in the whole of our lives, but in the moment-by-moment call as well. Um, and what I love is when you see about Peter is, when we get into sort of looking at 1 Peter, I'm in danger of preaching a whole series in one morning, but when you look through 1 Peter, um, he's writing, writing to a church who are in facing acute suffering and persecution. Um, and he writes with such measured, gentle wisdom that you kind of read it, I'm like... And yeah, this is the bloke who lopped off the soldier's ear and kind of said to Peter um, Jesus at Transfiguration, let's build a tent. You know, he made such bizarre gaffes in his kind of walk with Jesus. And yet he grows into this amazing father in the church who writes with just eternal wisdom that hits us today. Um, and that's what it means when we follow Jesus is that we're changed to be like him, that we grow in wisdom, that we grow in maturity because we're disciples because we're called to always walk forwards. And sometimes the path ahead gets a bit steep and sometimes it's a bit bumpy and sometimes it's a bit dark and other times it's a walk in the park and it's lovely. But in every season, the call is to follow Jesus and to know that there's such grace attached to it. I love that we did, um, we sang that Steady Love song this morning. You know, in every season when stories change, in every season, it's the love of Jesus that means, that's what enables us to, with confidence, even in challenging situations, to say, yeah, I'll follow you. Because there's such grace and provision provided for us in giving our yes. So I want, you know, I want for us to be a church family who absolutely know who we are. We know how much we're loved and we know we, we absolutely, we take our stand in grace nowhere else. Um, but I want us to be a people who say, whatever it takes, I will count the cost. Whatever you ask me to do, wherever, whenever, however, I want to follow you. Um, I want to be someone who gives you a hundred percent yes. So, don't pay someone else's bill. If someone else is being called to sell up and go to Africa, amazing. But don't pay their bill if that's not where you're called to be. Like, that's where we've got to get used to being people who hear the voice of the Lord. God, what are you saying to me? What are you wanting for me to do? Where are you wanting me to go? But I want us as a church family to be a people who say yes. Give it our best yes. Even with, and listen, our best yes. I don't think Peter had a clue, really, what he was getting himself in for, really. Um, and I, I think it's we can give Jesus our absolutely best yes, even with confusion, even with doubt, even with pain, even with you know fresh memories of where we got it horribly wrong recently. Maybe you know His mercies are new every morning, and His call to us every morning is follow me. And then the response in our hearts can be, yeah, I'm in, regardless of what happened yesterday, regardless of what happened this morning, even. Um, and we can still give him our absolute yes, even when we don't necessarily know how that's going to pan out. 
And that's what Jesus, uh, Peter's um, just amazing example was to us. As a man walking forwards, because he kept saying, yes, I'll follow you. Yep, I'll follow you. Yep, I'll follow you. And he got some stuff wrong, and we're going to look at some of that as well. Um, but I want for us to be a people who hear the call and radically obey and follow, just like Peter did. My final thing, we can't escape this call and recognize, listen, it's not just about us. So Jesus' call in verse 19 says, come follow me, I will send you out to fish for people. Like being a disciple cannot be separated from making disciples. That is an intrinsic part of the call on every single one of our lives. Is if I am following Jesus, I need to be calling other people to come follow him too and making disciples. So it's, it's telling people about Jesus. It's representing Jesus well. It's also walking with people, walking with one another. You know, we have a part to play in making disciples of each other, to encourage each other, maybe sometimes to challenge each other, so that we are all becoming more and more and more like Jesus. So if we are people who are following Jesus, we have to be people who are making disciples. So it's that commitment to be a disciple and to make disciples. And that that is an unavoidable call that is absolutely inextricably linked to following Jesus. Um, But you know what? It's a high call, it's a high challenge, but there's such promise and there's such grace attached to it that there is absolutely nothing to fear and there's nothing to feel condemned about or intimidated about because, you know, he's the one whose promise is that he's, the Lord's my shepherd, I have everything I need. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. And we can be like David and say, you know what? The boundaries for me have fallen in pleasant places. Even in the middle of challenge, he's calling us into good things. And even in the midst of challenge, he still has good things for us. I want to finish. I just want to, the message translation again. Um, that bit in Matthew where it talks about, um, Jesus says, look, if anyone's be my disciple, you need to take up your cross and follow me. This is, I love this way the message translates it. It says this, then Jesus went to work on his disciples. That's a great phrase. Jesus went to work on his disciples. Anyone who intends to come with me has to let me lead. You are not in the driver's seat. I am. Listen, that doesn't mean you don't have choices. Absolutely not. That doesn't mean you are a puppet on a string. Absolutely not. Bottom line is our choice is to say, Jesus, you drive. It's not that we get out of the car. It's not that he sort of forcibly sits on our laps and take over. It's that we say, hey, you lead. I'll follow. Um, And that's it. We are called to be followers of Jesus, to walk with him, to become like him. And it comes with a cost, but it comes with such grace and such promise too. So why don't we stand? I'd love for us to pray for one another and with one another. And honestly, I feel like it's that, you know, it's, it's so often it's that, it's almost like that choice again to give Jesus our best yet. You know, there might be some of you here who actually wouldn't necessarily call yourself a Christian. You wouldn't have necessarily said you've had your moment on the beach like Peter did with Jesus, where you've said, yes, I'll follow you. Actually, I'm going to follow your way, not my way anymore. And let me tell you, that would be the wisest and most wonderful decision that you ever make. And we'd love to talk with you and pray with you. If that's you this morning, please come find myself or Phil at the end. We'd love to pray with you. Um, but maybe there's other of us who've given Jesus that first yes a long time ago. And it's, it's just that invitation again to say, okay, just almost to take stock. Actually, how, what does following Jesus look like for me right now? 
Um, am I following him with every part of my life? Am I really being a disciple um, rather than you know, walking my own ways and expecting Jesus, please tag along with me? Hey, listen, he's so gracious. He never leaves you. He never forsakes you. But he wants to walk with you and he wants for you to follow. So why don't we pray for one another? Jesus, we want to thank you for who you are. We want to thank you that we are a people who are saved by grace. We are justified by faith in you, not through anything we've done or haven't done, will do, won't do. We are saved by grace and grace alone. And we want to say as your sons and daughters, we choose again to take a stand in grace. For those maybe who've had a bad week, maybe things have gone wrong this week, I just speak over you again. Just take a stand in grace again. Grace is where you stand. But Father, we want to commit to be your followers. We want to commit to being disciples. And and Holy Spirit, we just invite you to come and show us how to follow you. For each one of us individually, show us what that looks like. Because our heart's desire is to be like Peter and just to say, yes, I'm in. I'm in. So Jesus, we want to thank you that you gave us an absolute and eternal yes. And we want to we wanna give you our best yes again this morning. In Jesus' name. I want us to take a moment. Um, we have a few moments before we need to go and get kids and things. Um, Penn, if you could come. I want you to take some time to maybe sing um, some of that song we sang earlier. Um, and almost as a kind of, for some of you, it'll be a commitment song in terms of no matter what, you know, your steady love, I'll follow you because I know your steady love. For some of you, it's a, it's a commitment song. For some of you, it's, it's just a comforting word of the Father is that he's with you. You might feel like your yes feels a little bit fragile, but Jesus backs that with the whole of heaven. So I want to just take a moment, just take some time just to be with the Lord, do business with God, see what he's saying to you. And then we will have, we'll have some ministry team and, and pray some other specific folks.